right, good day to you. My name is Fred Oakman, and as always, with me today is Mr. Jake Peters. We are PS This Is Awesome, a PlayStation podcast, and we're doing a special episode today for everybody. This is the long-awaited Mass Effect 1 discussion episode, so thank you for tuning in. If you haven't played Mass Effect 1 and you don't want it spoiled, just wait to listen to this podcast later. That's all I'm going to say, because we're going to go into detail about it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about our impression of the recent uh, Mass Effect Collection, I believe is what they're calling it. And uh, so, yeah, we're a show where we share our feelings about the current state of PlayStation. So thanks for joining us today. And before we get on with the show, I want to invite you all to subscribe to our channel on YouTube, youtube.com slash PS. This is awesome. Visit us on Twitter at PS. This is awesome. And if you want to make fun of our trophy list on the PSN, you can find me at anchorless underscore 81 and Mr. Jake Peters at Jakesaw01. As always, you can write the show at PS. This is awesome at gmail.com. Most importantly, don't forget to share the show with your friends. Make sure to leave comments. Rate the podcast as you see fit. And as a reminder, this is a video podcast as well, so you can watch the show if you prefer over on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to that. And for new and or long-time listeners, we now have a Patreon where you can support the show at a $1 level called the One and Only $1 Club. Head over to www.patreon.com slash awesome to become a $1 patron and get your free die-cut vinyl sticker and a shout-out on the show. We do appreciate the support, everybody. It's a labor of love, but we love to do it. We don't expect it, but we do appreciate it. So... That out of the way, Jake. We're going to talk about Mass Effect today, and you you put together some notes. Is it called the Mass Effect Collection, the Andromeda? No, Collect- it's called it's called, it called Mass Effect Legendary. Edition. That's what it is. Yeah, I've, I've played the Walking Dead one. I've done a lot of these different collections recently. It seems to be the way that the business is going. You know, all these old titles are getting nice shiny paint and different tweaks to them. But I have never played the original uh, Mass Effect, and neither had you, which is awesome. So we both got to experience yeah, it's the only one I haven't played. Yeah, so we got both got to experience this the same way for the first time. Um, but you have played two and three, so this was my absolute introduction to Mass Effect. I've never played any of them. I didn't know anything about it, so I uh, I was uh, I don't know. I was really excited to do this, and we had talked about it last year at the end of last year, and we were going to try to end of twenty twenty one. We were going to do an, a Mass Effect trilogy review discussion. We're starting today with Mass Effect one. So I don't know, man. We should probably get right into it. I mean, that's pretty accurate what I said, right? Like you you never played Mass Effect one, or did you dabble and and never come back to it? Or I played Mass Effect one up until the first open world scenario with the the um the mako mm. where you have where you get to that base where there's like all the geth kind of attacking you it's like on like a like a sandy like <clears throat> deserty world yeah. and you get to the base and you're going through these canyons and you get there and then all these geth are like on these uh like platforms up above you yeah. shooting down on you and stuff. Yeah. And I got there and then I was like, I was just so irritated by the Mako at that point that like I struggled a little bit with that section and then I just kind of gave up. That but that was, right. that was years ago. That's when Mass Effect 1 came out and I did that on PC. Yeah. But then later I played two and three and loved both of them, but I never went back to one because I just, I, uh, I just didn't really feel like it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's. Let, I, I see that on here we don't really talk about the setting so much. So let's let's pr- 
preface this discussion with a little bit about the setting of Mass Effect, and then we'll get into some gameplay, what we liked, what we didn't like, you know. Uh, but the setting of Mass Effect is something that kind of grabbed me instantaneously when I when I started playing this game. Now, granted, it does have a nice sheen to it, this, this uh, version, right? And I really... <sighs> I really think this is a this is strangely a missing setting. We don't have enough space games in the video game world. Like we have our XCOMs, we have stuff like Doom where you go to like different hellscapes. We have we had uh what was the one uh that Oh man, that's getting another one here soon. You're on a spaceship and it was uh it was scary. It was a PlayStation game. Um, man, they just announced that they're going to be... It was a teaser trailer for it. It, it was a really big game. Survival horror. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I know that I'm... I, I don't know. I don't think this is what you're talking about. Mm. But, like, Prey is a good example. Yeah. The most recent Prey game was, like, a space station kind of game. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what game you're talking about. But Oh, man. You're right. There the is guy a- had a backpack, and his life gauge was on his backpack. Oh, you're talking about Dead Space. Thank you. Yes, Dead Space was a great yeah. space series, but there's not enough of them. No, there. So there, you don't have to look too hard to find a sci-fi game. Right. Like for example, I'm playing Outriders right now, and Outriders is decidedly sci-fi. I'm on an alien fucking planet. It's in the fucking future. Yeah, Destiny. It's same it, difference. Yeah. So Destiny is a very similar thing, but. There aren't really any or many right. sci-fi games that I can think of that are as, we'll say, as culturally developed mm. as the Mass Effect games are. Yeah. In terms of the fact that like this is a developed universe. It's almost like Star Wars, right? You're in the story you know, tens of thousands of years after all the civilizations got together. You know, everyone is basically... You know the the citadel is com- is completely civilized. Like their governments, the the races are working together. There there are like, you know, there's obviously racial conflict and things like that with stuff like the the Turian Wars and things like that. But like, it's but it's very it's polished, but it's also like it's really well polished, which kind of makes it unique. But it's also just the fact that it's the lore and the the universe is so well developed most of the sci-fi games we play are like post-apocalyptic or it's like a horrorscape like doom like you're talking about you're just one fucking guy just mowing through demons or like you know even even outriders for example it's a sci-fi game that takes place in the future but you it's like 30 years after you landed on this planet and the whole planet went to shit. So everything is like basically back to the stone age, but you're in the future. (laughs) So like there, there aren't a ton of games out there like this in this genre, I should say. I mean, there's some stuff like, you know, you you, obviously there's things like Eve online and shit like that, which is alien games, right? Like the, from the franchise of alien, you know, they have those. Yeah. Or, or even the game, like, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, civilization built like, like, uh, well-developed sci-fi games in the world of like PC, like strategy games. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about something 
like uh, like Masters of Orion or something like that, or where it's like it's like literally the game civilization, but it's in space. So you pick what alien race you want to be, and like you're doing trade and and combat. But it's like it's not like a like an RPG third person shootery kind of game like this with all this like choice and decision making yeah. and everything. So yeah, uh, Mass Effect, especially at the time, was very unique, and now I think it's still unique. And honestly, it is surprisingly we, still, we won't we won't get to the a lot of the choice stuff until we finish all three games. Mm-hmm. But there are still basically zero games that have done what Mass Effect did in terms of having your choices matter from game to game the carry and save files matter from game to game. Yeah. So it's very interesting. But yeah, I agree that the setting in mass effect is awesome. It's what there's makes the stuff, game special really to me. Yeah. There's some, there's some stuff about it that like, you know, I, I wish that there was like a, something that a little bit more, Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but like, you know, some of like the guns and stuff are just, it's all very like futury. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've never been a big fan of like the, the fucking blasters from star Trek and shit, because I think they just look goofy. You know right. what I mean? So, and I think that mass effect has a very similar aura about the way that it's weapons work. Not as bad as star Trek. Star Trek is very hokey, but like, it's still like, you know, you've got these, it is kind of one thing I is do find kind of cool about it is that the weapons, I don't know if you noticed, they like fold into a tiny box and then you put them on your back. Yeah. So that you don't have these like huge weapons hanging off your back while you're playing. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I think the setting is great. I love the the color palette. I love the character designs. I think like specifically um if you want to talk about the aesthetics, like specifically in terms of character design the uh the the Turians look fucking awesome. Yeah. And the uh the Corians also look fucking awesome. Yeah. It's been a while so since we've played it. Which one which one are which now? I can't the Turians so the almost Turians, look like Destiny characters, right? The Turians are the ones that look that's Garrus. So they're the ones that have like the mouthpiece yeah. that comes down like this and they almost look They look like the the warlock in Destiny almost. I I think. Kind of. Kind of a little bit, yeah. I mean, they. A uh, bit. Well, the, the the warlock in Destiny. Maybe not the warlock, but one of the characters. I don't know specifically what you're thinking of. One of the characters in Destiny. Yeah, who, what was the other one you talked about that you said looked cool? The the Quarians, which that's that's Liara, uh, not Liara, um, Tali Zora, uh, who's in your party. Who's the? She's got the like the hood with the with the face bubble yeah with the breather on the front yeah those it just are awesome. looks like the design is just fucking amazing yeah and even like the even like the um oh i'm fucking blanking on the 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 race of liara's character there's so well that's uh, that's something where you're thinking about this Let, let's just talk about this it's so fleshed out that there's so met there's so much to read in the in in mass effect there's just so much stuff that you unlock different things that you can you know if you want to take a deep dive into the history of a race you sorry you can yeah and it's just like wow like this goes deeper than 
face just what you're seeing on on the surface right this this iceberg or uh whatever glacier is is under you know it's pretty deep and and it keeps going and you keep peeling back the layers of that onion and you're right the character design is cool they all looked believably alien but not so wacky that you were like Okay. Okay. You know, like this is. They all looked. I mean, there were so, there were some. You know, there were some that were like out there. You know, you've got like the the ones that are. I can't remember the name of them, but it's the race where it's like it's like the big creature with the long legs that just talks like. This. Yeah, they're, they're I don't really know if you know what I'm talking about. Like polite- there looks like a, like a little elephant almost with really long legs, like like a fucking Salvador Dali painting yeah, or something. Those are kind of interesting. Yeah, I, and and there's there's other races, you know, like the Volus and stuff, which you don't really get into much in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some other races that you know I think you see in this game, but you don't actually interact with too much until the the future games, like Reapers and stuff. Um, well, no, the Reapers are are always kind of because they're so huge, yeah. right? They're they're all they're all always sort of like a. I mean, it's like talking to a fucking ship. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just thinking, uh, I can't think of all the names. Yeah, of the you races played the other there's like I one haven't. where it's like, yeah, there's ones like these guys with like a, like green skin, um, that have like a really hard face. Yeah. And they're uh, humans, and of course. Humans are in there. They're humans. So obviously, I can relate. Which is what you, you play as, which is yeah. pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's cool. Like one of the coolest things about the first Mass Effect game is that, it starts, even though, like we talked about, the world is fully developed, it starts where humans are very new to this civilization. Mm-hmm. Like, they just found the Mass Effect Relay, and they got introduced to the Citadel and all this stuff after fighting with the, Tur- the Turians during the first contact war and all this stuff. So, like, in the beginning of the game... You're fight the humans are like fighting for a place at the table, yeah. which is not like typically when you play these games, the humans are like it's like fucking, you know, machismo. They're they're like the best, you know what I mean? They're like the they're like the straight white guys of the fucking of the fucking sci-fi world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where they're just always awesome. Yeah. But like in this game, I think it's cool. You're kind that of the underdog. You play as a human, but you're also like kind of you know, you're kind of like underneath the boot of the rest of the races, just trying to earn their trust, right? Table, yeah. And I do like that they explore sort of the flaws of humanity mm. a little bit in terms of like, you know, overambition and backstabbing and like all this shit that humanity is known for. Right. I think that the story is the writing in this game is so good. Mm. If you just, even if you completely ignore all of the crazy depth with all the journal logs and everything that tells you about the the first contact war and all the races yeah. and all that stuff the if you all of that the story is also really good well let's and uh, yeah let's get to the story impressions later but let's jump right into gameplay can we jump yeah. right into gameplay and talk about this game because it's an older game when was it originally released do we know when the first mass 2007 i think okay so it's an older game i was in college yeah yeah so you have on the on the outline here for us uh shooting um so it is a, it is a third person shooter yeah it's 
it's interesting. My experience with this was that the the shooting was serviceable. It was it didn't feel super tight. It didn't feel amazing. The cover system was kind of jacked. Um, it was it's janky. Yeah, I yeah, didn't like I mean, the it's... cover system. I didn't use it often. Uh, so going into the going into shooting, Jake. Can we also add on like the magic stuff that you do or whatever the hell it's called? So, so here's I kind of I should have just said combat in general, yeah, not yeah. just shooting, okay, but like enough. combat in general. So, um, yeah. So my the the third person shooting in this game, if we're just talking about that specifically, mm-hmm. is compared to a great cover based third person shooter. You know, you're talking about like your gears of war and shit like that like it's not like very uncharted good. i mean it's it, yeah i mean and even you know even uncharted is not considered to be like a great third person shooter platform better than this. but it's way better than mass effect is yeah now it's serviceable like i'm not i wasn't playing the game being like i fucking hate the shooting you know because i'm so invested in everything else that's going on Damn. it just is serviceable enough to get you from a to b but you're right. It's not great. But I did want to ask you, because you did mention the magic and the abilities yeah. and stuff. When I created my character, I could not figure out how to change the class. So I just played as the soldier class. Yeah, that's what I played and as. And so, because you can play, technically, you could play as a biotic or uh, an engineer or something like that, I think is the mm-hmm. other one. And if you're a biotic or an engineer, you have extra inventory slots for things like Omni tools and stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, as a soldier class, I think your extra thing might be you have grenades. I don't think the other ones do. Okay. I'm not positive on that, though. Those were handy. But, uh, yeah, the grenades are great. And I I played as a soldier class. I'll be honest with you. I think it took me... I breezed through the game a little quicker than you did because I didn't do a lot of the side stuff mm-hmm. just because of how much I hated the Mako. But the... Uh, I I played the game probably 18 or 19 hours, and I think I used one of my special abilities like three times. Yeah, I didn't use my special abilities much either. I didn't use them at all. Now, to be fair, that's not because they aren't good. If you use them properly, especially on the higher difficulties, I think that it would have been beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. But... I was playing on normal difficulty. I wasn't playing on easy. I was just playing on normal. And I spent most of my time min-maxing my weapons and modding my weapons and just having good guns rather than fucking around with, you know, the the skills and stuff. I mean, so... But did you use? You didn't said you didn't use any of the skills. I used them, really. I used them, but usually I was just commanding the other people in my three person squad because that's how this game operates. And the you have two other people with you at all, pretty much all times, two other members, and you get to select them um, going into the missions that you fight, right? And and each one has their own ability. But I I always just made sure I had someone else with me that could like do some shit. You know what I mean? Like, and then I would yeah. just tell them. And that whole thing reminded me of an old game called uh, Hell's Highway, Brother Brothers in Arms, Hell's Highway. Did you ever play that? I have never played that particular Brothers in Arms game because I think there was multiple. Because you could issue commands them. to your soldiers in that game. And it was very similar to the way that this worked. And it was a nice little throwback for me. So I kind of was familiar with the idea, but... 
as far as the execution while you're in these battles, uh, you know, it did stop it stopped time when you entered the menu to tell your characters what you wanted them to do. So, like, you weren't getting shot at as soon as you pulled up that menu to tell them what to do. But, like, half the time, I didn't even know what the shit did that I was telling them to do. Because it yeah. didn't really go into detail about it, right? So, like, one was, like, a warp thing. I mean, you could look into it, but there were there were so many. They were named kind of these esoteric names that didn't really reflect what the skill actually was. You know, one would be, like, Time Warp or one... I don't know what the names were, honestly. We, we, like I said, we, we played these. We played the first version of Mass Effect here, the, the Mass Effect 1, a while back. And we were talking about doing this episode for a while. So some of it is lost on me already, um, but with the names of some of these things. But I do remember that I would just tell my, my characters just to do things because I knew that, like, it was better than doing nothing on the enemies, right? So I would just find them and just pick something, do it. And then all of a sudden shit would just float in the room and a bad guy would go floating past me. And then I would just unload on him with the gun and kill him. You know, and they're like, oh, that, that person has this, this skill. And, uh, you know, at any given point, you have how many people in your spaceship, you know, I would say between five and six characters total that, that you can bring with you. Does that sound about right? Uh, you're talking about the the total number of characters, the good that people you pick up as side characters, yeah, yeah, that you can take on you with missions that you can level them up. I think there's six. Okay, so yeah, in each of them, like you, what I did like about it, and we're kind of going off topic of shooting, but it involves combat. Is like in order to do the shooting and the magic, and you know, I call it magic, whatever the hell it is, abilities. The more upgraded those characters are in those things. The, the more effective those things are, right? So so you have one person and then another person and another person. And as I go out with three people, I come back to the ship, everybody got the experience points, right? Mm-hmm. So then yeah. it didn't matter who I took with me because we could all level up. And I liked that because it, it made it easier to pick people to go on the missions because I didn't have to be as calculated. Yeah, so the, the big thing about picking what characters you pick to go on the missions with you is that who do you want to participate in the side banter mm-hmm. while you're running around? Essentially, that's what a boy and And what skills do you need to accompany you? Mm. So you pick the character that you like as far as their supplemental abilities. Right. And then also the ones that you want to hear from in terms of the side banter. So, um, so there's three abilities, combat. Yeah. And then the other one was biotics. Yeah. And the other one was what was the other one? I think it was like engineering or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. So combat obviously is you're better with weapons. Biotics is is that you are It's like tech technology tech, tech, or technician or, or something. Yeah, 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 tech. Yeah. So uh, that was like you could deal with like robots and like crack crack open like doors and stuff and you know, you could hack things, like hacking. The other biotics was like more of like the weird magical shit. Um, so yeah, so you know, I, I, I if I was going into like what I thought was going to be a hot zone, I would bring people who were better at assault or attack or whatever. And if I wasn't sure what I was going to go into, and you probably did the same, I would try to grab a little bit of everything from my characters. You know, I don't know what the fuck we're going to walk into. Yeah, and that was kind of a nice tactic, I thought. But they they gave you that like bar at the bottom of the screen where it was like. Mm. Like, but based on what characters you picked, it's like how much of your t- overall Cumulative combat total. ability 
is tech, how much is biotics, and how much is soldier combat or shooting or whatever the fuck they Showed call. you the weight. But uh, yeah, and I don't, so, I don't know how much that really mattered, though, because the... I, I don't know how much. Like, I think if you were playing, I, I'll be honest, if you were playing on, like, the higher, like, the high difficulties, yeah. I'm sure that stuff matters way more. Mm-hmm. But as a, you know, playing through the the like on normal yeah like i would say that i mean i'll be honest with you i would say that on normal the game really isn't that hard. no i only like i would say it's two or three easy. times yeah like and so and that's fine with me because i'm just trying to get through the game because i want to experience Enjoy. it and talk about it on the podcast i'm not trying to fucking struggle so that's great but uh yeah so i i don't know i mean i don't know if you have anything else to say about the combat but it's it's, it's what you'd um, expect from an older it's game. It's what you'd expect from an older game that, I mean, at the time it had probably pretty, I, I actually, I feel like whenever I played it, when it first came out, I remember it being just the amazing. shooting being a little meh, oh, even okay. at the time. So I, yeah. I, I think that it was just, you know, Bioware, that's not their shtick. Like they're more about the character development and the story and the, mm-hmm. the dialogue and all that kind of crap. So, yeah. um, but it's still, I think it's, it does well. And I think that, I don't know because they did fix it up a little bit for the Legendary Edition, but I remember Mass Effect 2 and and especially 3 having better combat. Oh, I'm excited for that. So yeah. I'll be excited to see how it actually plays out in terms of the Legendary Edition. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's, yeah, let's yeah. – I was going to say, if you want to talk – the next note I have here, and this, is, this should be a relatively short discussion, yeah. but I just wanted to touch on the Mako because I fucking hate it. And I think that it's really – the one thing about this game that yeah. I would say is like a, a like a serious negative. Let's set the table for what the Mako is. So in the game, you get side missions and main missions. And the one thing about – if we could double back to setting real quick that I really liked about Mass Effect was like you travel to different galaxies. And it was really yeah. cool because you'd go in a galaxy and then it would open up on the on the screen and it was beautiful. And you saw all these different planets. You're like, oh my god, I can go to all these different places. This is amazing. And then as it turned out, you can't actually land on all the planets. You just survey them. Some you can survey for minerals and whatever to put towards your crafting system or whatever they have loosely in the game. And uh, But when you do get the opportunity to land on a planet, right, the fucking ship goes down like i swear destiny borrowed a lot off of mass effect now and i didn't see it because i never played mass effect but the ship you see it zoom careen into the sky and then you know this this thing just flies out of the ship and it and it lands and it does like this like maneuver like it's like it's like this machine like this ground machine with all these tires and like got a big turd on and it skids out and then it gives you the name of the planet and where you're at, right? And they're like, oh, fucking awesome. And then you go and you start controlling this fucking thing, and it just sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so it's called it's, the Mako. It's the, it's yeah, the vehicle. It's, it's, basically, it's basically like a six-wheel, like, all-terrain vehicle with a big cannon on the top of it. Yeah, it and looks awesome. You just, you just drive around an empty wasteland, and, like, you can pick up stuff. And then sometimes you'll get like encountered by enemies and you can shoot them or whatever. Yeah. But we actually are lucky because they <laughs> overhauled the Mako for this game. So I heard the original Mako in the original game was way worse. It's so hard to believe. It would like it would like get stuck upside down. The game would like soft lock because it would get like stuck in corners and yeah, shit. Get caught like up it was mountains. really, really fucking bad. Yeah. And 
I do understand, like there are some people out there who, who think that the Mako is cool because you can get in and out of it, right? So you can mm-hmm. drop onto a planet and you can run around and you can get out and run around just on your Different feet and terrain. pick shit up or whatever. Yeah. But like there are people that are like, oh, I kind of like the Mako because it gives you the option to land on planets that you otherwise wouldn't be able to go mm-hmm. to and run around and do random stuff. But at the same time, it's like, it's not fun. Like it would be one thing if the Mako, if the all the Mako shit was in the extra worlds you could explore. If that was the Mako stuff, but the fact that they force you to use the Mako to go from like A to B on main missions yeah. is absolutely irritating. Yeah, because it's there's there's no like if you think about it from a gameplay like a like a gameplay philosophy design perspective, it's like there's really no purpose for you to put me in this fucking truck to go from point A to point B. Just move them closer together and let me go there on foot and fight the bad guys on foot. Yeah. Why am I driving through? Like I, I understand they wanted to the like Mako. You couldn't upgrade the Mako. They, they. I, I get they're like trying to show you scale by like, oh, you're getting in this vehicle and, it and traveling works. across the, scale the planet. Is, it does. It works. I'll say that the only thing I got out of the Mako that I could appreciate was like it made this universe in in everything just seem so much larger. But essentially, outside of that. It kind of felt pointless. Like there, there were yeah. there were some, uh, there you know you can pull up the map on the new planets that you land on, and you can see these little uh, these little indicators saying, "Oh, there's something here. There's something here," and you could fucking and and when I'm saying like you had to navigate mountains, like you literally are almost at ninety degrees trying to drive a thing up a mountain. And it's tipping around. It's falling. It probably feels like how people complain about Death Stranding with carrying all the boxes. Like, it was just kind of fucking annoying. Like, I just wanted yeah. to get to those points and see what, you know. And, and I said I only died a few times. One of the times I died was from this huge sandworm thing. It came out of uh, nowhere. Yeah. And that thing wrecked me. That thing was tough. And, and you actually have to battle it with the Mako. And because the controls of the Mako weren't fantastic... You know, it, it made it a little difficult, but and you can use like Omni Gel to like repair the Mako when you're in combat yeah. and stuff. But like, I know what what side little thing you're talking about because yeah. I encountered the same thing and it fucked me up the first time I got yeah. to it. But then like, I was like, oh, this must be important, and then I beat it, and like, what you get out of it is like fucking nothing. It's like, so like, I was just like, okay, why am I doing this? Yeah. Fuck it, and I'm I didn't do a single other planet after that yeah i did but it, it, it doesn't matter but I, I guess the thing with the mako is is that there there was always a long a long-standing rumor i guess in internet lore that like it was impossible to get it upside down and uh a couple episodes back i had posted when i was playing mass effect me uh flipping the mako and i was so excited because it happened and then uh yeah. it's not impossible obviously you can do it but it's not easy to get it to land on its upside you know, on its roof. And, uh, yeah, you have to like wedge it into something. Well, it's weird. So I was towards the end of the game and I hit like a tree root or something and it just, it just, boom, and it landed perfectly on its. And then I had clipped the video and then I don't know if you saw the dumb video I posted, but like, then there's a cut scene later where like in the story of the game, the Mako, like you're crawling out of like a crashed, the crashed Mako. So like I flipped it in game and then I, spliced in the 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 shepherd or whatever his name is 
stepping out of the crash Mako. She's like looking around. <laughs> it was so fucking funny to me. But um, anyways, yeah, that's enough about the Mako. That's probably my least favorite part of the game. Um, but I did appreciate the the sense of scale that that offered, and I and I hope to see maybe somewhat of a revised version or a better version. I think they get rid of the Mako, but I want to still feel the scale of the universe in Mass Effect Two and Three. Hopefully, it feels yeah. Better. So unfortunately, that's one of the downsides of them removing the Mako from Mass Effect Two is because now you can go to you can go to different colony like worlds and survey them and. Mm do all this stuff to get materials and all that kind of shit like you can with the Mako, but you do it all from the ship with like survey drones and stuff. Yeah. And I think there are some extra worlds you can actually go down on foot and run around, but you're not like in a Mako driving across the wasteland. Yeah. Cause to be fair, most of these planets you land on with the Mako, it's like empty. You know what I mean? You're just driving around until you find a marker. So anyway, we don't have to keep going on. Let's talk about the conversation options, right? That's next. So, this is like one of the weird things. So best part about the game. Yeah, so so it's really interesting because you really feel like you have some sort of your input carries some weight in this game. So you have conversations with characters, you can give your opinions, um, you could be a hard ass, you could be kind, you can do all these different things. So the the conversation di- and the dialogue tree seems to stem off of your previous decision. So that was really creative. I'm sure it was cutting edge at the time. And, you know, they do this in the Telltale games and stuff. But granted, those games aren't – they're more like point-and-click games. Mass Effect's a straight-up game. It's an RPG. Your decisions carry weight. And the conversations that you have in the story are interesting. And, in fact, they're so they're so believable that, like, I thought at the end of the game, Jake, I got a hold of you. Um, when you're doing that battle, who, who's uh, is Garrus the bad bad guy or the one guy? No, that's Saren. Uh, Saren. So yeah. I, I, there's a battle you have with one of them. We'll get to the story here in a second. It was Saren, and uh, I thought that, and I think it does end up differently. But ultimately, you still end at the same choke point. But how you get there could be different. And I I had built up my character's uh, gift of gab, so to speak, and mm. I had pretty much convinced Saren that like. Uh, listen, that you're poisoned by this. You, you don't want to do this. And he was like, thank you. And then he like shoots himself in the head and he kills himself. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I just, I just Kevorkian this guy. Like I straight up yeah. Dr. Death him. And I was, he was going to kill me. And I told him like, no, you're infected. You really don't want to do this. You got to fight it. And he's like, thank you. Shepard. And he that shoots himself in the head. And I was like, this is crazy. But ultimately, the choke point is, we'll get to it, he actually comes back as like some another boss fight. So I didn't know, and I yeah. asked you at the time if you were able to do that to him or if you actually had to fight him and kill him twice. He killed himself the first time for me. But So, yeah, I mean, it was the same thing with me. It So I think what it boils down to is what your Paragon level is. Mm. So because that particular thing. So, and, you know, well, I guess... You know, obviously, Paragon. Basically, the Mass Effect <laughs> has RPG the ability. People. It's like Paragon or Renegade, so you can play up the middle if you want. But right. typically, if you like have, you know, the the honorable path. If you follow sure. the honorable path in all your conversations and shit, you get Paragon points, and it makes you like better, more right? altruistic. Yeah. But you could take the conversation path where you're just a total fucking dick and full of yourself, and that's the renegade path. <laughs> and there are benefits to going that way as well. Yeah. And I think the conversation you're talking about 
is that if you because you fight Saren earlier and you don't I mean, you just kind of go your separate ways. But if you use the Paragon option whenever you talk to him the first time, that helps trigger what you're talking about, where mm-hmm. you can convince him to kind of give himself up. But uh yeah, the conversations are awesome because the, the, it allows you to just sort of pick whatever you want to do. The one thing I don't like about the conversations, and this drives me fucking bananas because all three games are like this, where it'll be something like it'll it like the someone you're talking to will say something and then you can give a response and the response that you pick is not what your character says. Your character says something completely different. You're just picking the theme of your response. Mm. So I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I so do. like, you know, if, uh, you know, if like, let's say for example, like you're talking to somebody and they're like, do you want to go get something to eat? And in your little wheel, one of the responses you can pick is like, not right now. But then whenever Shepard actually talks, He'll be like, I have some stuff to do. I'll talk to you later. You know what I mean? So like, it's not, it's not exactly what you pick. And sometimes Mm -hmm. those little themes that you pick, I think it's going to be something completely different than Shepard actually says. Right. It's weird. It's almost misleading. And it's annoying because I would much rather them. I, I get like they have to shorten it a little bit because if Shepard's response is long, you can't just have this big fucking right. thing of text on the screen that you select. But like, it's, well, at least in their little wheel, right? In traditional games where you pick dialogue, it's usually like a list, right. and you can like pick. Your this response. is a decision wheel where you you use the left analog yeah. stick and you roll it around to pick the response. But that's really like that one thing where sometimes it turns out that what I'm trying to say is not what the game actually means by yeah. that response. <laughs> you know, that is the only thing that really bugs me about it. Other than that, I think the conversation system mm. is is awesome. They do a surprising, even for this game, which came out in 2007, they do a surprisingly good job of making sure that like the, the conversations feel organic and like the responses and everything, like the tone of their conversation stays in line. And it's never like, you know, one character says something sort of offhandedly and then uh Shepard responds by like totally off, like screaming at him or something, which is like the, some games where they have choice, that happens mm. where it seems like, oh, this doesn't really fit in the tree of the conversation that I've been following. But yeah. Mass Effect does a really good job of just keeping everything in sync, which is amazing. Pretty impressive. Yeah. And the voice acting is fantastic. So it's really good. The voice acting, hell of a job for when this game was made. I mean, you know, there's obviously way more emphasis put on that stuff now, but there are games that are coming out in 2022 that have worse voice acting than Mass Effect 1, which yeah, is definitely, which is kind of crazy to me. But um, that's just to speak how well the acting is in this game. Um, inventory. Well, and they, yeah, go ahead. They do. Have, they do have some like, and I don't know how they got big name actors, but they do have some big name actors. Like Keith David plays Captain Anderson, and uh, <laughs> Seth Green plays Joker. Yeah. Uh, so it's in like I think so they they have good acting talent, and the talent stays throughout the game. That's so awesome. all the games. So so yeah, they the the voice acting in this game 
Top notch. Top notch. Top notch. Uh, inventory management next is Jake. So, you know, it's an RPG. You get different guns. You get different weapons. You got to manage your weapons for all of your characters. Uh, the menu system in this game is it shows its it, it's it shows it's, its yeah it, the how second it is. worst part about this game it's really bad yeah <laughs> next to the makeup the worst part is the makeup the second worst part is fucking inventory management system I hated it man it got to the point where I didn't even fucking care like what my people were outfitted with I was just like we'll be fine we're not dying I don't even I'm not even gonna care yeah. I mean, I put some time into it, but it's like the way that it's laid out and the listing and like the button sequences that you press is confusing. And Mm. like sometimes you can't like if you're going to mod a weapon, you can't just back out of it and cancel. You have to select the thing that you already have selected to to make sure that it doesn't change. And like it's just really clunky. And if you look at this, I don't know if you ever played Knights of the Old Republic at all. Maybe not because it was a Xbox kind of game. I did a long time ago. Was it on PC or no? Uh, I think it was. I might yeah. have played it on so, PC. Think- but uh, you can tell that the DNA of the menu system for Mass Effect was ripped <laughs> out of their previous games, which were the Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. It just it looks similar. It's very clunky. Um, I don't remember the inventory system from the later games, so I don't know if they fix it or not. But yeah, the inventory system... You know, there's not really a whole lot to say about it. It's just bad. Like, it's it's not good. It's, it, like, I would much rather it be, like, an old-school PC inventory where they just vomit shit all over the screen and have tons of menus and lists than whatever the fuck this is. Like, they, it I was, like... I can't even describe it. Like, it's just, like... <laughs> well, it was, like, it was, like, it was, like, it was over-optimized for console, if that makes any sense. It was, like... They're like, we got to put this on console. They're going to be using a controller, so we need to simplify it. And it's mm-hmm. like, so they basically scrunched everything down so that only a few things are on the screen at the same time. At any given time. What that means is that you've got to, like, navigate between all your characters and navigate between all these lists to get to the things that you want to do the things you need to do. They, they don't just, like, put it all on the screen and let you kind of bounce Anytime around. you get a new weapon, like, because, like, you have six characters, right? And some weapons only can be used and some armor can only be used by certain characters and i was never really sure what could go with what thing what person what what's class what species so like i would spend initially i was getting like new shit all the time it was rpgs tons of pickups right you get all kinds of shit in this game so like you go to your first character shepherd and then you go to his assault rifle and then you have to thumb through every assault rifle in your inventory and compare the stats. And then it's like, okay, submachine guns or whatever. Okay, I'm going to go to Shepard. Look at submachine guns. Did I pick up anything better than what I'm using? Thumb through, thumb through, thumb through, thumb through, thumb through. And then you find one. Like, yeah, this one looks better. You try to equip it and it won't fucking equip. And you're like, why can't I use this? Oh, because only this species can use it. Okay, then why are you showing it to me when I'm over Shepard? Like, if he can't fucking yeah. use it, don't even give me the option to put it. So then it's like, look at armor. It's like, oh, okay, what armor did I pick up? Okay, boom, 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 boom. Oh, this person could use this armor, and then the same shit would happen. Like, I can't equip it to Garrus, or I can't equip it to whomever. This sucks. And it's like, oh, but wait, I think maybe Shepard can use it. And then you go back to Shepard's, and then, like, each of your equipment can have 
additional add-ons to it and then like i'm not even sure what the fuck add-ons are doing and then like it was just a fucking mess man that i didn't and and like to do that for all six characters to make sure they're all specked out and equipped out was such a pain in the ass i just quit doing it and i was like i don't even care i'm just gonna play the game yeah i i mean i still all i did was make sure that Shepard had the best weapon, <laughs> and then and then after that, I would go. Who's my second favorite character? They would get the next best weapon. Yeah, right. Who's the third favorite character? They would get the if next best weapon. If they could equip weapon. it, right? If they could equip it, right? And so it they I think they might clean that up a little bit in the new um, in the newer games, mm-hmm. but it just I don't remember. Clear. That's all. It just wasn't. It's clear. just it's it's really it is kind of annoying. And I like, for example, the one thing they don't tell you is that certain alien races can wear human armor, mm. but they don't tell you which ones can and which ones can. It's a cool idea because, well, and yeah, because it's very cool. Different very physiques, cool. right? You have like the big, yeah. the big elephant guys, like they can't wear human armor and they thought about this. The developers like, listen, we can't get like human armor and just have it applicable to all the characters. I get it. But you don't even really get a picture of the armor just to, to even really understand like the shape of it or like who it would fit. Like it might tell you the species, but then there's like so many fucking races and species. I don't know which ones are which. Like I don't have a log in front of me like okay, uh Joker's human, Shepard's human, Ashley's human and then be like, okay, Garrus, he's Turion or is he the fucking blah blah blah? And then like you're okay, he's this, he's this and then you pick up these fucking things and it's like I don't even know what species this goes to. They tell I you think, but it's kind of confusing. They should color I code. think really I think really all you need to know is that the the Turians and the Krogan have to have special armor and i think everybody else can wear anything else fair enough the human armor or whatever yeah. right because the, the krogan or the turians are the ones that have like the weird physiques mm. whereas the in the, the the turians physique isn't even really that weird they just have like a they're just more they've got like they're more they're more insect like yeah but like yeah. The, the the krogan have like that big fucking hunched back and they're like a giant frog they lizard like thing. a turtle too so, they like a shell or something like yeah they, weird looking cool really cool character design yeah but uh yeah it's uh it's really really annoying but yeah. i mean it's it's one of those things where it's serviceable, but it is really irritating and i one of the things I do like about the inventory and the items is like they sort of define what like kind of class not i don't mean <laughs> class in terms of like soldier or biotic or technomancer or whatever the fuck it's called i mean like whether you want to do like stealth or running gun or snipers like like play style is kind of tied to like a manufacturer of that item. Yeah. So like if you, I don't know if you noticed that. So like if you pick up an assault rifle and it's from, you know, brand X, then you know that it's going to work this specific way. It's going to be accurate, but it's going to be a three round burst. It's not going to be full auto versus like, if I pick this other brand, I know it's going to be more of a run and gun assault rifle. That's full auto versus, you know what I mean? Or like, you know what I mean? So you're going with that. It's really, it's really interesting. And that's just another level of, like lore and depth that Casey Hudson and Drew Carpenter put in this game that is just 
fucking awesome. And they, I know they're working on Mass Effect 4, but Casey Hudson and Drew Carpishan are both gone. And those are the guys that made Mass Effect basically what it is. Mm. So I, I don't know how they could write a new game. They might make a game that plays better, but I don't know how they can write a game that's as deep and as good. I guess, I guess they kind of put the framework in there, yeah. but like, a true I don't know. Fan I'm curious could. though. A true fan could do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're making Mass Effect 4, so I'm curious what it's going to be and I probably will play it, Yeah. but I I just, I'm curious how it's going to end up because because these guys, like we keep saying, they shoved so much lore into this it's that insane. you don't even have to acknowledge you can completely ignore it. That's the beauty of but it. If you, but if you decide to read it up and, like, go through the codex and do all that stuff, like, you learn a ton. Like, Mass Effect is is really, like, I'm sure they probably have books and comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, you could easily make, like, a novel about one of these weird side stories that you just get yeah. through codices. The foundation's there. You can do so much with it. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Well, but uh, anyway, yeah. so – pull- so, Go ahead. I just say I put audio on next to discuss, and yeah. this wasn't on your list, but I just wanted to just as an aside. I, I think that the audio was fine; like everything was good. I think it's good. I didn't really have an issue with anything that they did. I mean, there maybe were a part or two where like some like like heavier music would kick in, and it sounded a little dated, right? As far as I remember, like some some of the scenes, like like there would be like little things like that, but it wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't fucking doom metal that's for sure i mean it was much more subtle and most of the soundtrack was very atmospheric yeah the atmospheric audio is great and bloops and things like that but it i think that it it really set the tone sounds of doors opening and closing and like just like the like the the vorping sounds or whatever the hell you want to call them like uh the space shuttle just like the hum like, like shit like that and i was like yeah this is cool like i it's it sells the environment in the setting so i i just wanted to give a little shout out as an aside of the audio then we already kind of went over character leveling and how that worked you just fight right and then you just level your people up um did you want to talk any more on character so leveling? the 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 one thing i, w- I did want to ask you about is i chose to have all of my side characters auto level because i didn't want to fuck with i didn't them. i that. leveled shepherd myself but I let all the side characters auto level. I, I figure the game knows better than me how to make Liara a better biotic. Yeah. So I, because I don't like that play style, so I let the game do it. I don't. Is that what you did? No, I didn't because I wanted the full. I wanted the the full uh, you, experience. You, you leveled everybody yourself. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah, I I'm sure it was. I should I should have not done that. And again, just like the inventory system, it got to the point where I was just like, level this, level this, level this, level this, and just maxed out stuff. And I was just like, those the characters surprisingly leveled up faster than I thought they were going to. Um, yeah, well, I, I think they um, they did something to the leveling system mm-hmm. when they remastered it mm-hmm. for the Legendary Edition. I don't know if they added levels. I think they subtracted levels. Yeah. I think in the original game, there was actually 60 levels, and in the Legendary Edition, there's only 30. Interesting. Um, Mass Effect, no, that's cool. Legendary Edition... Yeah, I mean, there was no need to have that many, really. I mean, I got through the game and I don't know how long that twenty-seven hours or something. I said it took me to be. I didn't write it down anywhere, but yeah, I did. So it reduced did from that. sixty down to thirty. Yeah, so they did reduce. So if you had played this game originally, you would have been leveling even faster. Wow, because there were twice as many levels. 
So they reduced it. And actually, I think in the Legendary Edition, you can switch back and forth. But by default, it's on Legendary mode, which is only 30 levels. Yeah. Let's 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 just – because I looked at my notes as I was playing the game. I had a couple notes that involve gameplay before we move on to the story, the story beats and talk yeah. about that. But I, I have on here that – one of the things that absolutely made me bonkers, and it's just a, it's a design choice that they made or whatever, but... Welcome to the PS This Is Awesome Patreon page. For those of you that don't know, my name is Fred Oakman. And I'm Jake Peters. And we're a PlayStation podcast currently in our 10th year. Our first episode aired in July of 2012, where we discussed and speculated on the arrival of the PS4. Over the years, we've used this podcast to take a break from adulting, share our love of video games, and in particular, PlayStation. The audio podcast is available on all major streaming services, and we have recently made the leap to uploading video content and video podcasting to our YouTube channel, as well as the very occasional Twitter post or live stream. Over the years, we have covered everything from PS3 to PS Vita, through the launches of PS4, PSVR, and now PS5. As our audience has grown over the years, we have decided to start this Patreon with the hopes of creating a medium in which we can give you the opportunity to help support our show. And as a test bed, we're starting with a single tier. It's called the one and only $1 Club. So with your support at the $1 level, we're going to mail you a premium vinyl cut sticker and give you a shout out on the podcast. But at this time, unfortunately, we can only ship to the U.S. and Canada. But this is subject to change depending on your interest. So whether you're new to the show or you're a frequent flyer, we are forever thankful for your support and hope you can find it in your little gaming heart to join us in the one and only $1 Club. Until next time, like PlayStation, Podcasting, and Patreon, P.S. This is awesome. As you would complete side missions in order to resolve them you would have to go back to the citadel which was like uh the main the main hub to finish them and go like like so i would be like literally if you think about this like if you're trying to be realistic oh certain army doesn't fit this guy certain army yes uh you would travel light years and back to a place to tell someone mission accomplished and then they would give you a reward right but in this game, in order to resolve all these outstanding missions that like you complete to get them checked off your list, you have to go back to the Citadel and uh, where the Mass Effect Relay is. You have to go back there where all the colonies are, walk through who knows how many fucking little areas, try to find the person who gave you the mission and like say, hey, listen, I went and looked and your brother's dead. I found his body five galaxies away on planet Mbutu or whatever the crap it's called. And the problem is, is they don't offer a fast travel to back to the Citadel. So right. you had to like get back on, take the Mako back to the ship, wherever you are, get back on your ship, zoom out five galaxies or three different layers, go back, thumb over to the planet, find the planet, find where the Citadel is, click there, travel there. And then you get a screen of the the animation of the the ship going and then it loads and it took a while to load and now you're on the citadel and now you have to go find it was just a big time suck that bothered me and over time i kind of realized that like the problem is it's it's two part one is it's time to the second part is is it like with side missions i like to follow those stories through independently like i if my goal is to go find somebody's missing brother 
that I'm going to accept that side mission and I'm going to go see it through. I'm not going to do that and while I'm out and about pick up another side mission where I got to stop a drug cartel or pick up another mission because at that point I'm getting my stories crossed, my side missions, and it doesn't feel as fulfilling to be, to do them, to complete them. But it got to the point where I was doing them all while I was out because I wanted to cash in all at once when I got back to the Citadel. So they, they should have come up with a way to like cash in your stories. Like like because like in the in the main game, council will call you over like the, the visuals. You'd have like a teleconference with them after you did something. And they'd be like, hey, uh, we saw that you did this. Either they agree or they don't agree. And you're like, okay, congratulations. And then the reward just shows up in your inventory, right? Like you don't have to go back to talk to them every time you do something. So why for the side missions did you have to? Like there should have been a way to tele- teleconference the side people. Yeah, I'm guessing it was probably – you know, it's probably like a an immersion thing. They thought that it would break immersion if you could just fucking just gameplay yourself, like, you know, video game your way out of it by just saying, oh, it's good. And then you just like get shit. Yeah. But like, um, it was, it was, it was yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you. It, it, it's tedious and it doesn't need to happen. I, I think this is one of those like growing pains in video games. Mm-hmm. Like now people kind of know. Yeah. Then unless it's like The Last of Us where the whole point is to be as fucking immersive as possible, it's like, okay, this game is super immersive, but we're going to cut this one little corner and just give you the shit. I've got a controller in my hand. I know I'm playing a game. You know, like I – So I I do agree with you. Like that thing is annoying. So it's almost like they want you to just – Grab a bunch of side quests while you're at the Citadel. Go out, do them all, and then come back (laughs) and collect them all. Right. Because it's like – but it's, it is it is kind of irritating. I I do admit. Well, again, it depends on your play style. You know, maybe some people are fine with doing that, but I like I like to do the side missions independently of of one another and just see it through. It, it made it more right. fun. Anyways, let's move on, Jake, to the story. And I hope the listeners are enjoying this this episode. We're talking about Mass Effect One on PS. This is awesome. Uh, the story is kind of like the thing that kind of keeps the ship of ship afloat, right? Or, or Keep the ship abreast or whatever in outer space. I tried to use a pun, but it didn't work. Uh, I don't know what an outer space ship does. It flies, zooms around in outer space. So the story is really the the vessel here. It's it's the the reason why the game exists, really. Because um, it's it's the most enjoyable part of the game, I would say, is the story yeah. and the decision. So. My, uh, you have here uh, bullet point A, overall story impressions. I think my overall story impression was like, man, this is actually really cool. Um, the, it points, I felt like I was getting a little confused. Uh, you know, we could be brief about the, the general idea of the story. You're, you're a protagonist, and uh, you get to choose uh, whether you want to be male or female. Um, like you said, pick your class, whatever, if you want to be this, that, or the other. And then you assemble a squad, and essentially you're trying to uh, – humankind, you're trying to get them on this council, right? Uh, so that you can have some say in the the, the new way of things. And the, right from the get-go, they say, okay, well, you're going to be uh, – you know, you're, you're like trying – you're on the proving ground, right? You go out on a mission, and they're watching, and you're supposed to do something. You're supposed to do a good job, and if depending on how well you do, they may accept you, and if you're the first human to be accepted on the council. What are the things called? What are you called? You're like a fixer. A specter. A what? A specter. A specter, yeah. You're, you're, being, you're being vetted to be a specter, and it's like you are above the law. If you become a specter, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do on your own terms, but you're supposed to be doing the right thing, right? What you deem the right thing. 
for the benefit of everybody. So if a few good people have to die, that could happen. You can make that call as a specter. But anyways, you're on your first mission. Things go sideways. And uh, you see another specter. And uh, this other specter is Saren. And uh, you find he does some questionable things. And you're like, this is no good. And then you try to tell the council. And then long story short, Jake, you can take it from there if you want to wrap up kind of the rest. Yeah. So, so I mean, we don't need to retell the whole story, but basically it boils down to the fact that like, oh, there's this big conspiracy. Saren is actually doing some shady shit and he's, he's, he's trying to essentially give the civilized world over to an ancient alien race called the, the Reapers in order to prevent the Reapers from killing everybody. Mm. That's what he thinks he's doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so the whole point of the game is you're trying to stop Saren, stop Sovereign, who's the the Reaper in this game, mm-hmm. and then convince the council that Saren's bad. Because Saren has been like the fucking gold star. Golden boy. Uh, Spectre forever. And so you're the new kid on the block coming in and being like, hey, this guy's an asshole. And they're just like, they don't believe you. You got to prove it. So well it creates all this conflict. But anyway, it's a great story. Um, the Reapers are a really cool enemy race. Like the concept of them, they're like a they're like a techno they're like a robotic race, mm, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they're from like millennia ago, and they're essentially a Reaper is is a giant like robotic being the size of a spaceship. In the whole game, you think that Sovereign, who's this Reaper, is Saren's ship. And then you end up one of the twists of the game is you find out that no sovereign is not a ship. Sovereign is actually a reaper. And they, the, the, one of the powers that reapers have is the ability to sort of influence the minds of, of biological beings. And you don't know you've been so, influenced and you don't know that you've been influenced. So sovereign is kind of influencing Saren to, to essentially turn, give everybody over so that the reapers can basically the way, the way that it works is that, like sovereign stayed behind every like what is it like every fifty thousand years or something the reapers come in and they destroy all biological they wipe everything out and then they hit the reset button right and then so and then whenever the new whenever new biological life comes up it advances or whatever they find the citadel sovereign reappears opens the citadel which is this huge and what you find out is a huge gateway mm-hmm. and then all the reapers come through and kill all the biological they life like again. Feed and they on do them. it in this cycle yeah the reapers right. feed on you they they on um, whatever civilization is established wipe out all life form and, and it makes them better for doing so or something so yeah so so that's kind of like what you're trying to prevent and yeah i the i think the probably the best place to start is just the characters mm-hmm. you know shepherd Commander Shepard is the the main character of the story. I think you can change his, his her, you can pick a bo- a man or a woman. Um, I played as a man. Uh, I kind of wish I'd played as f- female Shepard, you know, but because my understanding is that the it's a better better voice actor. Mm-hmm. But um, I decided to go with the male Shepard, and I think I'm not positive, but I think they they find a story solution so that in the second game you can actually change your character if you want to a female oh interesting um but uh, i don't remember that for a fact yeah. but yeah i i picked the male shepherd 
Um, there's nothing really to say about Shepard. They're like a fucking soldier. That's all you or are. Whatever. Yeah, you're and trying to become like to be because you you survived some conflict. So they're like, oh, you're a war hero. You can be like the the next fancy boy. So you yep. get to do your thing. And um, but as far as like the actual characters that you meet, um, so the the side characters. You know, we can just kind of talk about yeah. it real quick. Joker, played by Seth Green, is uh, the pilot of the Normandy, which is your ship. Which is your space it's ship. like a super. It's like the most advanced uh, ship mm. ever made that like humanity has. But it was like made with, uh, I think it was made um, engineered with help from the Torians or the Salarians or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't remember. Um, but it's like it's a stealth ship. It's the most advanced of its kind. Yeah. And he's the pilot. He's the pilot. And he's the thing that's cool about Joker is that he's disabled, but he's like the best pilot. And like he's got this kind of attitude about him because he was a because, you know, he had to had a lot of trials and tribulations mm-hmm. about being disabled in like the academy to become a pilot. So yeah. it's a very interesting character. There's there's not like there's a little bit of depth to him, but like you could talk to him all the time, but you know, there isn't a whole lot that goes on with his character. He seems, in terms he of seems really uh, speak on the character for a second. The way the way his character came off was like very loyal to the mission. Like, you know, it, it didn't really matter what you were doing. Like Joker was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's like, he's in it to win it. And I think part of that, though, is him trying to prove to the universe that he's the best fucking he's pilot. The man. Yeah. And he's yeah. fucking good. Yeah, he's really good. Um, next up was Ashley uh, Williams. Well, I want to let's go over the side characters first, and then we'll talk about the squad mates. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll talk. We'll skip down to Anderson. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Captain David Anderson, who's played by Keith David, famous actor and voice actor, mm-hmm. amazing voice talent. He's in like every fucking video game, but that's because he's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's funny that everybody talks nowadays about how oh. Um. Uh, who's the guy that plays Nathan Drake? <laughs> Nolan North. Oh, Nolan North is is in everything. Yeah. Or, or um, Troy Baker. Troy Baker is in everything. But like prior to those two, Keith David is in fucking everything. Mm. And so like he's in everything from freaking Halo to yeah. you know he just he just has that like the presence you know, powerful commanding voice, voice yeah. you know and uh so he, he's almost like a james earl jones kind of voice you know what i mean Ship. but uh he's an interesting character he was previously the commander of the normandy right. and then he steps down because of this that or whatever and you as shepherd become the captain of the ship uh there's i he's a cool character i mean he's he's a great supporting character he's like a mentor he, almost to shepherd like a mentor for you he's one of those characters where like you don't know at the beginning if he's on the straight and narrow and then you kind of find out that he's on your side like the whole time. So like, that's cool. Mm. He's like an interesting kind of character. Um, Unlike the next character we'll talk about who is Senator Udina, who's just a dick. And like, also he's, he's also human and he's a good character too, because he's, he's like that character who's on your side because he's the human who's trying to get, humanity on the council but he's also like a political he's a diplomat right yeah brown noser like yeah he's just 
out for himself and everything and he's kind of a douche but he's pretty interesting i don't do you have any opinions on either of those two characters because they kind of interact basically the whole yeah, story i mean Depper and anderson and udina udina is like you like you kind of boiled it down his interest is only to further humankind's involvement on council like he doesn't care like he, he'll pretty much do whatever council's saying to do and he's going to take he's going to take whatever whatever he can uh, the the quickest shortest route to being in the good graces of the council. So when you step up as shepherd and you're starting to question Saren, uh, Udina's like, "Listen, man, we're not going to go there right now. We're not going to bring the shit up. We got, we got, we got to get in, you know." And like you're like, "But this guy's going to fucking end the world." And he's like, "I don't care. We don't have proof. Yeah. You know, if you can't provide a proof, they're going to think we're idiots." And he wasn't really on your side, whereas Anderson was, and you know he would hear you out a little bit. So yeah, I didn't really care for Udina e- either, but that's how the character was written. I, I thought he was fine. Um, and I think he was. I mean, I feel like he was. I I don't know. I guess he was kind of important to the story, though, in terms of like your conflict with the council and the resolution and all that. Um, but yeah, he's one of those characters you're meant to hate. And they did a good job of writing him, I guess. Yeah, he so, needed – he, he sucks. It just sucked because, like, you would give all the proof you could possibly give that Saren was bad. And Udina was just like, nah, that's not good enough. You know, it's not good. I'm not taking it to – I'm not going to let them know that he's bad yet, you know. And that was the yeah. thing. You know, it was very political. Um, didn't didn't want to, like, uh, you know, cause too many ripples. Um you know, he was annoying. But yeah, in order for you to feel an allegiance with Anderson to have a partner who was on your side, you had to have somebody who wasn't right to, to understand the yeah. difference. So that's uh, that was his purpose, really. But go ahead. And the game gives you the game gives you the opportunity to kind of go between the two, yeah, and sort of pick who you want to go you with. Kind of, but like, be like, you know, Anderson plays a much bigger role in your final mission. Oh, hundred percent. I loved Anderson. Go ahead, Cancel. but. Uh, so yeah, speaking of politics, the council there is on the council. There's three. There's three races. There's an Asari. There's a Salarian who we haven't really talked about. They're like the. They're like a fucking salamander tadpole. They're like a. They, they're the most similar to like a, you know, a reptile. A stereotypical like fucking uh, alien. You know what I mean? Where they got the big <laughs> eyes and kind of like the goofy looking. You know. Yeah sort of salamander type body yeah. but uh and then there's the Torians. so those are the three races humanity's trying to get on the council um and the one thing that i thought was cool about the council was that at the beginning you're frustrated with them because they don't want to believe you about Saren. Mm-hmm. but when you find out that they're all basically like they just want what's best for the, the citadel and they're they're literally you know, they're trying to do everything good and they're all straight and narrow. They're trying to be as impartial as possible. Yeah. And that they're really trying to be just honorable politicians. And it, uh, it's, it's kind of neat because usually you expect in a game like this, that most of the council members or at least one of them is going to be like a new Dina character. Mm. And, this kind of helps build the sort of philosophy that in the universe, people look down on humanity because of their ambition and their grit and everything like Udina, whereas these other races don't have that. Right. 
it, so like they're more honorable and everything. And it's a little meta because as a player of the game, I had mistrust for the council as well. And it's just because that's right. that because I'm human, right? And that's what we're used to, right? So it was a well, and especially thing. especially because the Turian counselor is very kind of kind of like gritty and he like doesn't really care all that much for humanity because of the first contact war and all that right. shit. So he's a little short with you and he kind of seems like a dick, but then whenever you present the real evidence and you finally convince him, he's like all in with you. Right. Which right. is like really, which is really cool. You're not you going to get an it's, apology from him, but he's going to agree. Right. That what you're showing him is, is legit and needs to be acted on. Right. So that was kind of neat. And that is, and that's consistent with the way that the game explains how Torians are. Yeah. And how they interact with humans. Mm. So it's very, it's very, it's just very well written. I agree. Um, so like the next, the next couple characters we have on here are the main villains. So you've got Saren, who is the, the Torian who was, was like the, the number one specter who's, who's being influenced by the Reaper sovereign and sovereign. And he has a, uh, Saren also has a subordinate who's like his lieutenant who is matriarch Benezia. Mm. And those three characters are the main villains. Matriarch Benezia, I kind of found her character arc only cool in that matriarch Benezia is actually the mother of Liara, who is one of your squad members. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I felt like she kind of came and went sort of abruptly. If that makes any sense. Like she didn't really play a bigger role. Yeah, yeah. Like there wasn't I, I kind of wish they built up to her. Her battle demise. was tough, though. The fight was tough. Yeah, no, it was. It was the the final conflict was neat with her. Yeah, but I felt like there should have been more of her up until that a little point. build up. Yeah, you just kind of land on the yeah. planet and there she is, and it's like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. We're dancing. And the thing that's cool about Matriarch Benezia is that you find out through her about sovereign's influence mm-hmm. his sovereign is influence major influencing matriarch benezia as well the mind control shit th- we talked about yeah yeah though you think that it's like through Saren, mm-hmm. and so that's why you end up having to fight her because she can't control herself She's because of brainwashed this and controlled by the reaper but so she's she's an interesting character mm-hmm. and i thought that that arc was pretty cool i just wish i'd gotten a little bit more of her i'd agree with that and then we have um, sovereign yeah and then sovereign so we've already kind of talked about them just in terms of the overall sort of story arc mm-hmm. but sovereign's really cool very you you only talk to sovereign one time in the entire game and it's on that one planet uh vermeyer i think it is yeah and uh you know you talk to him and he's just like i'm gonna fucking kill all of you and he's like has zero remorse at all and like no like emotion or anything and uh it's cool like it's cool whenever you have an enemy that's just like beyond you and beyond your understanding in terms of like their their reasons for doing things and all you know about the reapers is just like they have one fucking function and that is just we're going to destroy all biological life in the fucking yeah. solar system yeah or intelligent life, I guess I should say. If they destroyed all biological life, the cycle would never continue. But um, it's very – he's very cool. Uh, Ominous. And, you know, yeah. and Saren we talked about. 
very interesting character. You, you find out he's being influenced. He is being influenced by the end because you kind of you're not sure at the beginning. You think maybe he's acting in concert with Saren or or, or Sovereign or maybe he's like the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. But then you find out by the end that he is being influenced subtly. And that's when like you and I both have the same story arc where he ends up killing himself. Yeah. And because he find finally realizes that he is being he had a moment of clarity kills himself to prevent that from becoming a further issue and then of course sovereign brings him back to life and you have to fight him anyway but um it's it's very interesting Mm -hmm. so let's jump into the 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 squad characters because the crew i think the the squad mates are the characters you spend the most time with um the first one you pick up is ashley williams who is the other there's two other female um, human squad members but ashley is the first one you pick up and actually, I think, no, I think Caden's with you from the beginning. He is. And then Ashley is the first one you pick up outside of that. You lose a member and, in the very first mission. It's, it's you, Caden, right. and another person as a three-person three group. And it's unavoidable, unavoidable. Caden uh, lives. The other team member on your squad dies. And uh, Ashley shows up, and she kind of helps you and your crew. She's a Marine. Right. Uh, she was left over from a battle that had ensued or something. And, and you know, you, you get a chance to question her, like, why why aren't you with your why, – why are you still here? You know, you can kind of run her through the gamut and stuff. But she's she's a noble character, you know. Um, interesting, yeah. I I think Ashley is, is an interesting character because I personally fucking hated her. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I hated her is because she is overtly racist. Oh like yeah, for sure, her, for sure. That's like her character is that she's for a lack of a better term, she's butthurt because her father did some shit in the military that kind of put a stink on their name, their family name. Mm. And so she rose up through the ranks kind of trying to prove every to everybody that she's not as shitty as her dad was and all that stuff. And then but like part of that, and I don't know if it's part of that or just like part of her personality in general, but she's just fucking racist. Yeah. And so didn't it was trust hard other for species, me. Didn't trust. Yeah. Like didn't want. Yeah, she's like humanity above everyone else. We shouldn't be helping them at all. And like right. all this stuff. And so like it was really hard for me to want to sort of associate with Ashley mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. But I feel like it was a very like she was a well-written character and a very interesting kind of like story story arc because her character was deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It was just an aspect of her character that I couldn't get over. So, um yeah, she's She's kind of interesting. She's also a soldier class like you. So if you take her on missions with you, it's kind of like an overlap of skill. So your combat goes Uh, If if you're a soldier, like I was a soldier. So for me to take her out, it was an overlap of skill for me. So I never – Didn't really need her. After the beginning, I didn't take her out very much. Fair enough. And we have Garrus. Um, Garrus Vicarian, who is a character that is – in all the games. Yeah. He's fucking dope. I, I love Garrus a lot. I didn't use him a lot, but as a character to have on your ship and talk to and like his look and everything. Yeah, he looks like a badass. I think he's a great character. Uh, he's, he's, um, he's an ex like police officer. Mm-hmm. 
they call like CSEC, which is Citadel Security, which is like the police force on the Citadel. Mm -hmm. And he's like an ex-policeman from the Citadel. And but like the whole time he knows like something is fucking fishy about Saren. And so he's trying to figure it out and he gets kind of ostracized. I think that's the word Mm -hmm. from the rest of CSEC. And the council like tells him to fuck off. So that's what kind of draws him to you. And, you know, I don't know that you necessarily have to pick up all these characters. Like you might not even have to pick yeah, up. I don't Harris. know if you have to, cause it gives you the option to invite them to join your group or not. Right. Like you, would you yeah. like blah, blah, blah. You know, you can offer it to them. I don't know what happens if you don't. I did for every single person though. I brought them on. Um, yeah. And then we have Caden who's like, uh, kind of been your wingman the whole time. Uh, he's a soldier like yeah. yourself. He's into biotics, though I believe. No, he's a, he's, he's a, tech. Yeah, he's a bio, he's a biotic. Oh, okay. He he has biotics, but he's he's like half biotic, half soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of an interesting character in that regard. But in my opinion, Caden is the most boring of all of the squad members. He's very like white bread kind of soldier character with like a you know troubled soldier past kind of shit. So like, I didn't really care for Caden all that much. Um, didn't use them almost ever other than the first couple missions. So I don't know what your opinion is on him, but I, yeah, he was very, very just kind of like vanilla and like, just like, "Mm, okay. Yeah. You're just like a soldier. I get it. So yeah, like you you talk his whole kind of point in terms of like the conversations was you went to him to ask him like how the crew was feeling on the ship. And he would give you like impressions, but other than that, like he was totally, in my opinion, he was like totally unusable as a character. Yeah, like he not unusable, but like boring. And he was like a character who only wanted to give you his impression if he knew it was off the record and you were going to hold it against him. Like he's very goody two shoes. Like, am I allowed right. to say? Like, do you really want to hear what I have to say about this? And then he'll say some stupid yeah. shit, and you're like, okay, fine enough. He there was nothing special about Caden either. Uh, Liara Sony, um. This was the blue she's person, the Asari right? Sorry, character. Is this the blue yeah. person? Yeah, yeah. So she's blue. Uh, her skin's blue. I guess I should say. Um, I love Liara. I use Liara like constantly. Yeah, she was cool. She she was one of my favorite characters. Her and the next couple are like, in my opinion, some of the best characters in the game. And the cool thing about the Asari and the cool thing about Liara's character is that even though she's like a hundred fucking years old, yeah. she's like an adolescent in terms of Asari. Yeah. So she's basically race, yeah. still a kid. Like she's like a teenager, you know what I mean? But she's fucking a hundred years old because the Asari lived to be like a thousand years old. She has like 75 so, years on you. Yeah. Yeah. So she, but she's really cool. She's the Asari are naturally biotics. So she has 100% biotic ability. So I loved using her mm-hmm. as the soldier class because she would do all the shit where she would make the enemies like fucking float up in the air and you could like kill them and stuff. Throw objects and, uh, and stuff. Yeah. And I just like, I loved her personality mm-hmm. and cause she was like that kind of nerdy sort of like scientist type that, you know, she was I really find myself into, attracted to into the Normandy was like really intrigued by it. Um, right or is this the other one? No, you're ta- you're thinking of Tally Zora. Okay, my bad. Yeah, keep going then. So I yeah, get him. She, so confused. she's the one that was t- Liara is the one that was researching all the Protheans. She was stuff. the one that would like touch your head, right? And then yeah, and, and like see the like, shit that she would meld minds. Yeah, with you, you melded yeah. minds with Liara. Right, right, right. I'm with you now. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I liked Liara a lot. 
Uh, and so sorry guys, <laughs> I used, I used her, um, and actually my go-to squad was Liara and the next character, which was Tali Zora, yeah. Raya, who is a Korean, which in my opinion, Tali Zora and like the Koreans in general, the best fucking character design in the really game. Really cool. It's so cool looking mm-hmm. just like this. They have like a it's rebreather like, and stuff. Yeah. It's very like Darth Vader, but like very feminine at the same time. Like it's very, very cool. Got their hoods up. Um, I really liked. Mm-hmm. I really liked Tali Zora a lot, and because the whole thing about the Koreans is that they're very like technological race. They're very into tech and stuff like that. Right, so right. Tali was like the technomancer kind of class. And the whole thing about the Koreans is that they're exiled from their planet, so they're all living on a flotilla. And so all of them are interested in engineering because they're all about keeping the ships up and running. They're so, essentially on a skiff going down the Mississippi right. and, and everyone else has all this amazing, you know, spaceship yeah. technology. So so she is super interested in the Normandy. She's always in like the reactor bay, like learning about the ship yeah. and stuff. When you talk to her, she talks about how cool the Normandy is and everything. And uh, yeah, so... Um, so I used her and Liara almost exclusively, mm-hmm. and that would give me me, which was a full soldier class, Liara, who was a full biotic, and Tali Zora, who was full technomancer. So I basically covered all my bases yeah. by having those that that lineup. Um, but yeah, I, I liked Tali a lot. She was also an innocent character. She was on her pilgrimage, where in the Korean race. Young people are sent out like when you first reach adulthood, you're sent out to try and find something to bring back to the flotilla that is going to be of use to your people. Right. That's your- and so that's where she's out on her own trying to find something to bring back to her people whenever you kind of come across And that kind of opens some character. dialogue options, too, on the ship because you can start questioning her intention. Like, are you going to try to right. like steal the ship? Are you trying to copy our stuff and and you know make a better ship than us? Like, you know, this could be dangerous. If you wanted to go that route, or you could just say, "Oh, that's cool. I'm glad you're interested." Yeah, check this out. Check out what this button does. You know. <laughs> yeah, and then the last character that you can use in your squad is Erdnot Rex, and he's the Krogan. And Krogans are fucking dope. They're like, uh, they're like the orcs of this universe. Yeah. Like. They're like literally they're like the, you know, the the Spartans. They're fucking combat from birth all the way up to adulthood. They're just all about the battle and they're all mercenaries. But their their race is is unfortunately hampered by this thing called the genophage, which was released onto their people, so that only like one in a thousand of them survive birth. Mm-hmm. Because they reproduce really quickly. So I think the Solarians developed this genophage to prevent them from reproducing. Because there were just too many. So that, <laughs> because they, there were so many of them and they were like they were they were like killing other races. They and were starting like yeah, that. they were starting to colonize other planets because they couldn't all stay on their own. It was causing like war, like galaxy issues, right? So and yeah, this is where so, the politicalness and the morality of the game kind of comes in where like you as a person could take a side on that. Like do you think that it yeah. was okay to do this to them or, you know, right. what what was the right thing? And Rex was, was like, a oh. cool Rex was a cool character because he had that gruff like 
he's just in it for battle. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He's not going to talk to you all that much. He just speaks in like single word sentences. He's got scars all you over meet his him face. He's a bodyguard, shit. right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, it, but at the same time, if you actually spend the time talking to him, you can tell that he kind of has a soft spot about this whole genophage thing. Oh, yeah. And he wants, like, his people to survive. But at the same time, he's very, like, gruff. And he's he's a very interesting character. Yeah. Um, so that's basically all the characters that I really wanted to touch on. I don't know if there's any other characters that you really care about talking no, about. I added Joker but, in there, but that's really it. But I think now that we've given a breakdown – Right of all the characters, now we can kind of get into one of the things that Mass Effect, and this is we're getting close to the end of the podcast, but the game gives you some very pivotal choices to make throughout the game, Jake. And uh, I'm curious to hear what you did, and I'm sure vice versa. And yeah, and the or choices that we made, and this is the beauty of the game, which we talked about at the beginning of the show, is like they some of these probably will certainly carry over into part two. Oh and yeah. Three. So I'm yeah. curious to see where we've made the same decisions and where we've made different decisions. Because after this podcast, and we do Mass Effect 2, we very well may have completely different parts or different things unraveling, which will be kind of cool. Sure. There will be quests and stuff that are unavailable if you don't do certain things. Mm, this is so it's So it's very, very strange. Yeah. But yeah, so... We're just going to go over the major choices in the game. There's a ton of, like, smaller choices that do influence the later games, but there's, like, literally fucking, like, 15 of them, and we're not going to go through all those. So we're just going to go through the the major choices. There are a couple Um, that I wrote down that I'm going to ask you about uh, that are kind of side mission. I know you didn't do a whole lot, but I'm curious to hear if you did any of these. But let's start with what's what's in front of us. Yeah, so the first one is, like, on the planet Pharos – that's where there's the colony there and it's being like mind controlled by the fucking plant thing that was being uh it was being like studied by the corporation that was running the colony and uh at the end when you finish everything you have the option to either save the colony like leave the colonists there to do their thing and survive Mm -hmm. or you could shut down the colony and tell them all to fuck off and uh i believe i don't remember but i believe i chose to save the colony um, I don't know if you did or not. Did I kill the Thorian, which was the mind control plant? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I well, no, I mean, I think you have to kill the Thorian plant. Okay, but I, I mean, like you have a dialogue option where you can choose to either shut down the colony and make all the colonists leave, mm. or you can let them stay and colonize the planet. Yeah, I, I let them. I let them stay. Here's the thing: with you said this was the first planet for you. This is the, this is the beauty of Mass Effect. I was 18 hours in when I got to this planet. Um, okay, so you you did. I don't remember what order. I did, did Novaria first. No, I did the uh, the Benizia first somehow. I just ended that's up Novaria. Yeah, so I did that first. I just ended up there. The very first yeah. thing I did was I had to fight the the matriarch. But anyways, it doesn't matter the order that we do them in. But just for the listeners to know, this isn't necessarily the first thing that you do. But it was the first thing Jake did. Um, yeah, and that's well, I, I wouldn't even say that it was the first thing I did. I just put the list of the major choices yeah. down. I okay. don't remember which order. I yeah, did I definitely didn't go to Pharaoh's first because I have on my notes here that I was 18 hours in, so I didn't do any of the side missions on Pharaoh's because I was just exhausted. I think I, I think I did Novaria 
first. No, I don't remember. Yeah, that's fine. But anyway, so so you you chose to save the colony yeah, as well. I did. Yep. And th- it actually this matters in Mass Effect Three. All right. Because I did a little bit of digging to see like you know what choices matter and what didn't. Mm-hmm. So another interesting thing. We'll talk about. Let's just talk about Navaria first. So Navaria is the ice planet. That's where you fight uh, Matriarch Benezia. She's <laughs> got a Rachni queen in captivity. The Rachni are like this, like insect race, huge insect that, though. That were that were almost eradicated because they were literally taking over fucking civilizations yeah. and just killing them and eating them. So. Um, but there is somebody brought them back and there's this one Rachni queen with a, a small brood, but the queen is in captivity. And so you encounter Benezia there, you kill Benezia, you sure. do all that. And then you have the choice whether or not to save or kill the Rachni queen. Mm. And it's, it's a, it's a tough I don't choice. know what it means. I don't know what it means in the later games, but they present it to you in the fact that like the Rachni queen is telling you that if you let her live, she will take her, you know, her under her younglings and they'll go away. They, they won't interact with humanity or the other races ever again. They'll be appreciative like they'll just, of, of you sparing. Yeah. But you don't know because in the past they came and fucking destroyed planets. Right. So you have the option. I don't know what you did. I chose to save the Rachni Queen. I did too, man. We got a lot of the yeah. same choices. Yeah, I saved the Rachni well, Queen. Well, I mean, what it boils down to is I chose like the Paragon route basically all the way through. Mm-hmm. I tried to be the good guy, tried to be the voice of reason throughout the whole game. Um, and so like I was trying to do all of the best things. Yeah. So the one thing until we continue, the one thing I will say that I was reading that's interesting, when you find Liara – on that one planet where she's studying the Prothean ruins mm-hmm. and she's like, remember you find her and she's stuck in like that fucking force yeah. field. Mm-hmm. You got to try and get her out. Depending on what order you do these missions in, it will affect how she reacts to you when you find her. Mm. I went straight to that planet mm-hmm. and found her right away. So she was really open to talking to me and everything. Mm-hmm. But apparently if you wait, do this other shit first and then go find her, She's like kind of crazy and she responds to you because she thinks that you're like a hallucination and all this stuff. Like the dialogue is very different. I didn't know this until I was reading about it, but I went and talked to her first. Yeah. So I didn't have that issue. Okay. But, um, yeah. So I don't know what order you did it in. I assume maybe you got her pretty quickly too. I think I did her third. I second, maybe. Maybe I did her after after killing Benizia. I think that's what I did. I killed Benizia, then I went and saved. Oh, so you didn't have Liara when you fought Benezia? No. Because I had Liara when I fought Benezia, so there was a whole mother-daughter thing there. I didn't Which you her. probably didn't get. No. I had dialogue things that came up afterwards where like, I would apologize for killing her mom, and she was like, I understand, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. It's interesting. It's interesting because I didn't have that. I mean, I had Liara with me, so they That's like hashed it so out. Interesting. Yeah, so many different yeah. decision trees. But go ahead. What's the, what's the next decision? So we both saved the Rachnite Queen. So Vermeer is like the like the penultimate mission, mm-hmm. right? It's where it's where you're. you're or, sorry, it's technically technically. Um, the next one, which is like the Prothean world or whatever right. is the penultimate mission. But like, this is the penultimate planet that you go to. And 
so you're on this like water world and you you're, you find out that like Saren is here and they might have found a cure for the genophage, which would cure the Krogan which are Rex's of this people. issue, this breeding issue. And there's this choice where Rex is freaking out because you want to basically go destroy this base, which would prevent the Rex cure. from getting the cure for the genophage. And so Rex is freaking out and he's like, I can't let you do this. And then based on your your paragon level, your speech level, your dialogue choices, Rex may die or live whether or not you can talk him down or one of your squad members will kill him to prevent him from right. uh, be interrupting your mission. Right, yeah, because he's going to try to kill you. So, yeah, so in my story arc, Rex dies because I didn't have enough speech to be able oh, to wow. try to talk him down. All right. Yeah, so so Rex got killed by, I think it was Ashley Williams mm. killed him mm. while I was talking to him. I don't, what happened in your I saved your him. Story I talked arc? him down. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Because you probably had much more speech than I did. Yeah. I didn't put a lot. I mean, I put enough into speech, but I didn't max it out or anything. Yeah, yeah. So Saren had the cure for the pro, cro, Krogans, right? Essentially was like had it pretty much there in that at that base and, and Rex is freaking out and he's waving his gun around and the, the you know, there's like another character that kind of pops into the story about this point he's like a little alien guy and he has his people there and he's like the Solarian yeah and, yeah. yeah and he's like hey we're gonna run a mission he goes but listen you can't have Rex acting a fool um, we can't have any issues with him so you need to go solve this before we get underway and then that's the part right. where like you either talk him down or someone kills him and i was able to talk him down so like i said i beefed up my gift of gab in the game and i was able to essentially i pretty much just convinced them that if i remember correctly i may not but i believe it was like you know i understand where you're coming from but if Saving your cure means entire world domination. What good is it going to do? And essentially, he's like, "Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I'm. I can't argue with that. Uh, okay, <laughs> you're right. We yeah. have to do this. You know, it, my guy brought up a point that, like, you know, we could technically save save this cure to save your people, but." The fucking reapers going to come and kill everybody anyway. So what's the fucking matter? Like you're you're in a lose lose situation. That's fucking cool because I, I'm curious. Well, I I knew that the Rex could live or die, but I'm mm-hmm. curious how your story is going to work out in Mass Effect Two because in Mass Effect Two, one of the squad mates is a different Krogan. Oh wow! So I I'm curious how it's going to work out between the two stories. Yeah, with your character. do I get Rex or no? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. That's that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so um, I saved him. So the other the other big thing on Vermeer is there is a part in the mission where you can either I'm not going to go through all the details, but basically you can either save Caden or you can save Ashley. And they're both humans, right? They're yeah. both humans. They're both squad members. One of them dies. I don't think there is a way for you to save both of them. So. I chose to save Ashley mostly because even though I didn't like her racism, I thought that she was a much more interesting character than Caden, who was just very vanilla. So I don't know what your opinion was, but um, or what happened or what you did, but I saved Ashley. I, I saved Kaden. her also, and but my rationale for saving her was that in the moment, 
what she was doing was more important than what Caden was doing. Yeah. She was like yeah, protecting I, I agree. Nuke, and I was like, she needs the fucking help, not Caden. You know, so that's why. Yeah, and I, I don't know how the story arc would have gone if you had done the opposite, but my decision was purely based on which character I cared about more. Interesting. And, uh, you know, because I figured this is one of those games where, like, I, I try – I have a really hard time playing these types of games because if I choose something and it doesn't turn out the way I want, I feel like all of this regret, mm. like I want to go back and fix it, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm trying to sort of condition myself to just like, Hey, I'm just going to accept the consequences and just see what the fuck happens. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it might make the outcome of the game much more interesting than I expect. So to me, I was like, I'm going to pick which character I want more. And we'll just see what happens. It might just, it might mean that something fucking bonkers happens that I didn't expect, mm-hmm. but you know, as long as they don't do some fucking, some backhanded bullshit where you try to save one and it ends up being that that character dies anyway. Right. Like I, I was totally cool with, with the outcome. So yeah, I saved Ashley as well. And uh, I'm kind of interesting, interested how she's going to play a role in the next game because there is in the second game there is also another female human character Miranda who is a squad member so I don't know how Ashley sort of pans out in the second game um now skip to the very end of the game when you're on the citadel you have the option to either send the Normandy to help the Destiny Ascension Mm -hmm. which is the ship that has the council there's a big space battle around the fucking citadel and the council is trying to escape on the desk the destiny ascension which is the largest ship ever made by any race yeah it's enormous and so (laughs) um you can choose to either have the normandy help the destiny ascension ergo save the council Mm -hmm. or focus on sovereign trying to kill sovereign the reaper that is attacking the citadel trying to open it so more reapers can come through i don't know what you did I chose to abandon the Destiny Ascension, let the council die, and have the Normandy come fight Sovereign because I thought that was the the better, the the more altruistic decision, right? Like that. Yeah, like like sacrifice the few to save the many, mm-hmm. kind of thing. I did the same thing. Um, now, here's the thing: is that my understanding after like reading some other stuff and listening to some other stuff is I think. The actual paragon, the actual like paragon choice is to save the council. Is to save the council, and that's actually supposed to be the better ending. Mm. And I didn't know that because I thought, oh well, I got to do the right thing. I got to save everybody, even if it means sacrificing these three people. Yeah. But, but I don't know that for a fact. This is just kind of some things that I read. So yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, I told Joker. I said so, you got to. Stay the course. You got to kill fucking sovereign. That's the that's the deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was you know that's the really like the last major decision. There is one other decision that you get to choose right at the end, and that is there is a spot on the council. A human is going to be on it, and you basically have the choice to either select Udina or select Anderson, or you could do what I did and tell them both to fuck off. You choose for yourself. I don't care. Because that's basically what I did. I, I didn't choose either one. But I don't know if you made a choice or not. I didn't write it down, and I don't remember. But I think I, I think I took Anderson. 
I think yeah. I said that was going to be that was going to be my that was my gut choice. But I was just like, you know what? I don't really care about like the politician. Anderson helped me escape I, on the Normandy. Yeah, he helped me, too. He helped me, too. But I didn't know. Like, it's one of those things where I probably was overthinking it a little mm-hmm. bit where I was like. Just because he's a soldier doesn't mean he's a good counselor or politician. Yeah. So I didn't want to just like pick him. I don't know if he would be the better counselor. So I was just like, you know, even though Udina is a piece of shit, he's a good politician. Otherwise, he wouldn't be where he's at. So even though he might not always do what's best for everybody. So I was like, I can't decide. I want to choose Anderson, but I don't know if it's the Mm -hmm. right choice. So I was just like, I'm not a politician. You guys figure it out. And I fucking walked away. So we'll see how that affects the next game. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. So that was kind of really, uh, really it for me yeah. in terms of the choices. That's good. Now, I, the last thing I have on here is sort of Paragon and Renegade. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we really need to talk about this because I, I can kind of gather that we both went the Paragon route. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, which is not surprising because uh, – you know, everybody. I think. I think the Bioware sort of released the stats that like literally only five or ten percent of people that play Mass Effect do the Renegade route. It's like very few people do it because uh, it's so abrasive. Like when you're the Renegade, it's so abrasive. Like you're being you're an asshole, a fucking asshole. Yeah. yeah. So um, like throwing people under the bus, just being a dick to all of your squad mates and everything. Like it's it's not like a fun for me when I'm trying to immerse myself in the game, it's not like a fun way to play it. Right. Now, if I did a second playthrough and I'm like, I'm just going to be the and jerk. Giggles, yeah. Like for such and giggles. Yeah, sure. That would be kind of fun to do. And I know some people like that, mm. but, uh, Oh, I forgot the one thing that we didn't talk about, which is something that people playing the game are probably like, why have you talked about this yet? Is did you do a romance option? Did you I, follow something all the way to the end? Cause I, I, I did. I, I romanced Liara all the way to the end. I think I went Got with the, the ra- I think I went with the races, Ashley. I think I went with her. Did you? Because she was human. Yeah. I think it's Oh dude, I fucking totally captain Captain Kirked it and just fucked that alien ah. sideways. God. Or whatever. I mean Asari is like technically mate by like melding minds or shit. Yeah. So but there was definitely, you know, some boobage going yeah, on. Yeah, there's a lot of the love scenes are pretty graphic, pretty interesting. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I stayed with <laughs> it's like Yeah. It's like soft core for like video games, yeah. But you, so so you picked Ashley, which is interesting. I, you can actually go up the middle and not choose either, and not do any romance. You can also romance men, right? I I think in Mass Effect One, the only options you have are are women? Ashley and or Liara. the opposite. There's sex, like a right? lot. There's like a, no, no. It has nothing to do with gender. Oh, so if you're if, a female character, if you're a you female, can still you can only romance. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I, I believe. I'm not positive on that. Hmm. But in Mass Effect 2, I believe you can romance any of the squad members. Yeah. I'm not positive on interesting. that. But I think there's it, it opens up more in 2 and 3. Well, the, the, so, thing, yeah, the thing with me and Ashley, like I, I was like trying to figure out why she was being such an asshole about, you know, yeah. the other people on the ship. So I would open up dialogue options. Kind of this thing she talked about her sister and all this stuff going on, you know, back at the home and how, you know, it was just really interesting. And I was like, because I was curious about it all, my character started getting closer with her. And like, I was like, ah, fuck it. We'll just go this way. You know, she's a human. Yeah. 
I don't I don't need that much strange in my life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, I don't know. I guess I guess uh back to the two side missions that that I thought were really interesting and and well written. There was a there was a character named Dr. Salion. He went by Dr. Hart. Did you did you do any of the side missions with that? Cuz it involved Garrus. So what's that? So there was a side mission that involved Garrus. When Garrus worked with Seasick, uh, he he was on an investigation. He was trying to find – there's some black market trading going on at, at the Citadel. Um, body parts were being sold, sold and off. Market, oh, right? yeah. And, yeah. And he had pulled uh, some people in for interviewing, and he was hot on the tail of this Dr. Salarius, and he was pretty sure he was the surgeon involved in, like, cutting up people and selling their body parts. And uh, – there was an incident at CSEC where he was inter- he was interviewing some people, and one of the people he was interviewing had fresh wounds start bleeding out. And in that panic, uh, the doctor had boarded a ship and started flying away from the Citadel, and Garrus had ordered CSEC to take him down. But they refused to do it because they didn't have the, the dirt on him, even though he knew it was the bad guy, and they wouldn't do it. So part of him aligning himself with Shepard was his hope that he could get back to Dr. Hart and take him out because Shepard can operate outside of the law. So yeah. that was some of his personal interest. He still wanted to take Dr. Hart out. So one of the side missions where I brought Garris with me, we found Dr. Hart. But even then, Dr. Hart had a very good, like, listen, man, you got the wrong guy. I'm not the guy. And Garris is like, he's the fucking guy. You got to do something. You got to do this. Is him? This I'm telling you. This is the guy, and you're given the opportunity to take him in to CSEC or to let Garrus eliminate him. And I was like, Garrus, have fun. And Garrus took the fucking dude out, and it was him because you find some evidence that this was definitely the guy. So Garrus got his vindication, yeah. and, and like that formed my bond with Garrus a little better because he was like, okay, right. I had the Spectre fucking let me color outside the lines a little bit to get shit done. I like how this guy operates. So that was one of the side missions I really enjoyed that was written really well. And then the other side mission I had was there was like this drug cartel thing that was going on um, in the game. And uh, her name was Helena. She was a drug boss. And eventually you have an option where she's trying to wheel and deal with you and let you do different things for her, right? Uh, to look the other way, so to speak. Your specter, look the other way. She's not really hurting anybody. Um you know, she'll float you some money here and there if you need it. Or you could take the the Paragon route and just say, no, I'm taking you in. And when you do that, it turns into a battle. So you could have, like, leaned a little outside of the lines and taken the bribe. Or you could have killed her. And I, kill, I killed Helena so, yeah. and her crew. So that was- I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't play a lot of the side missions. Yeah. And so, like, I did the doctor, whatever. I, well, I didn't finish any of them, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah. I, and I think this is why it took me so it took me so much less time to beat the game than you. Yeah. But in Mass Effect Two, it's much more interesting because they actually compel you to do the side missions because there are loyalty missions for each member of the squad. Kind of like the Garrison thing I did, probably. Yeah, and if you don't do the loyalty missions, it totally affects the ending of the game. So it's very important. Do Mass Effect, I'm so excited for us to play Mass Effect 2 because <laughs> it is it is literally just 
it is just a step above. They took everything awesome about Mass Effect 1, fixed a bunch of shit, and made a bunch of shit better, and added some stuff, and it is so good. It, I'm so excited to play Mass Effect 2. Yeah, I am too. But not before we get into Horizon. Because that's yeah, coming definitely. out on the 18th. Horizons next it's week. Coming so. out next week. So we will do another Mass Effect podcast. Mass Effect 2 will be the next special podcast we do. Jake and I had talked at length before recording this how we were going to put this out. We were going to make it exclusive to patrons. We decided we probably aren't going to do that. We're just going to give you a bonus episode this week whenever you're listening to it. If you want to listen to it, and if you wanted to listen to it, and if you were listening to it, we appreciate you tuning into this podcast. And if you have anything you'd like to add to our conversation about Mass Effect, what you found interesting, what you didn't like about the game, uh, feel free to write us. PSISisAwesome at gmail.com. We don't mind doing an extra episode every once in a while for you all. And again, if you do want to support the show at the $1 level, you can go to our Patreon site and do so just to throw a little money our way to say thank you. $1 a month uh, really won't get you anything, but will help Jake and I if we get enough people doing that. So we do appreciate the folks who are doing it. And it's never expected, but it's always appreciated. And uh, so, yeah, may- maybe we'll do the Mass Effect 2 episode slightly different. Maybe we'll make it. We'll do an early release for patrons. We'll see. I'm not sure. Uh, but this one, we're just going to throw out the, throw it out there. And uh, the way that it's putting the podcast out, it's this, this may show up. Uh, I don't even know with an episode number. It'll probably be, what, 208, I believe. Um, and then 209 will be this week's uh, regular show. So if you're looking at your podcast thing, and we'll title it Mass Effect Podcast, and then you know we'll throw out 209 the same way. So might as well give ourselves credit with a, with a full podcast because this is probably one of the longer podcasts we've done in a long time, Jake. And uh, it was good chatting the game with you. I'm excited for Mass Effect 2. And anyone who's playing along, um, I think we're probably going to both dive into Mass Effect 2 maybe around springtime or we, right after Horizon. I don't know. What's the plan? When are we going to start playing that? Uh, we can talk about it because Horizon could take anywhere, to, could take me anywhere from a couple of weeks to over a month to finish playing. So, okay. depending on how deep I get into it and everything, yeah. so I don't want to commit too soon. And we don't want the but, listeners to commit to doing anything, but it, it probably yeah wouldn't if, hurt. I'm, if I had to guess, if I had to guess, I'd say Mass Effect Two podcast mm-hmm. is probably not going to be until April. Okay, fair enough. That would be my guess. Because if after after Horizon, I'll jump into that. Um, yeah, maybe, depending maybe on the late how. April. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. Thanks. Um, yes. I, so I guess that's it, man. That's it for the show, huh? What do you think? Good. Sounds good. All Close right. Down. So like Mass Effect One, Mass Effect Two, and Mass Effect Three. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is this awesome. Is awesome.